Let's open up with some prayer. Father in heaven, prepare our hearts for your word. Lord, your spirit, we just ask that you would pour it out upon us right now. We Hands open, we receive it. Speak to our hearts. Lord, your word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that all distraction would be left, would be would leave this place. Lord, any evil trying to come in and get a foothold, I pray against it in your name, Lord Jesus Christ, and I cast it at your feet. Lord, let our focus just be solely on you alone and what your word brings as we remember your son, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Daddy. We should all be saying that, right? All right. Good Friday. It's the day that we remember Jesus and what he did for us on that cross, right? This is the day. This is the day that we celebrate. Hundreds of years ago, his sacrifice. But why do we call it good? We call it good, we tend to call it good because we know what's to come. We know the result of his sacrifice. It's easy to sit in where we are now knowing the end of that story. What is to come, the resurrection. But what I want us to do is I want us to put it in perspective. What I would like us to do is to close our eyes and imagine. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you back to that day. That day when everybody was observing exactly what was happening to Christ, starting in the garden. Use your imagination. Picture the words that I'm reading. The wounding that he experienced. In Luke 22, 42-44, it says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. He's sitting there praying to the Father. And he's sweating blood. He's in so much agony because he knows he's about to endure so much pain. And then he finds himself betrayed. And before you know it, he's sitting among the religious leaders. The religious leaders who are, who are mocking him. In Matthew 26, 67, then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Picture him sitting among the religious leaders of their day, the priests standing there alone as they surround him, and they're mocking him. They're spitting in his face, and they're slapping him. His people. And then they lead him off to Pilate. Pilate, who toiled in understanding, 
only to be swayed, but before he released them, before he released him, Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Now, for those that don't know, when they would flog, your hands would be raised up on a stone. And then they would take a whip, but not just any whip. This whip would have barbs and talons on the end of it. And when they struck you, it would rip flesh away. They scourged his back completely. The blood that would have been pouring out of him would likely have killed any of us just from blood loss. And after enduring that, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And these aren't your bush thorns. This is a vine thorn. It is thick. And they didn't put it on your head like little girls put on their princesses, tiaras. They stuck it onto his head. The thorns were embedded into his skull. Blood would have been dripping down his face, and they continued to mock him. And then he was led away to be crucified. Crucifixion, where they lay you on a cross. They stretch your arms out wide. They put a nail through your hands and then through both of your feet. And they stand you up in the ground. It's not easy to hold yourself up when your hands are impaled and your feet are impaled. He hung there. Hung there. And then in John 19.34, the last wound. Since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He sweat blood. He was spit and slapped. He was flogged. He got a crown of thorns. Both hands and feet were nailed to the cross, and his body was pierced for us. But why? For our sins, right? But is that the sole reason? If we truly want to know why, we have to go to the beginning in Genesis. Because God created us to be with him. In Genesis, it talks about us being created in his image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. He created us in his likeness. God created us to be with him. 
But what happened? Our sin. Our sin separated us from God. In Genesis 3, 7, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit, what once was walking in the manifest presence of God was no longer. We were separated. And 23, therefore the Lord God sent out from the Garden of Eden, to, sent him out of the Garden of Eden to work the ground for which he was taken. He was separated. Adam and Eve were separated from God. In that moment, they were walking with the Father. They sinned and they are separated. And our sins, our sins can't be removed by good deeds. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves, to redeem ourselves back to the Father. You could solve world hunger. It's not enough. Scripture speaks of it. A verse many of you know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I'm getting ahead of myself a little, but it gets to the facts. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. There's nothing you can do on your own to be redeemed back to the Father. But then we kind of make that circle back to today. Because paying the price for our sin, paying the price for our sin, your sin, and everybody else's sin in this world, every human being, Jesus died and rose again. In 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. And 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. His death, our life. Everybody, every human being on this planet has an opportunity because everyone who trusts in Christ alone, in him alone, has eternal life. I'd be willing to bet most of us know what John 3.16 is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life, eternal life and eternal death. We are all eternal beings. It's hard to comprehend because our minds are finite, not infinite. But we can trust in this, but we also know that's for everyone, not just us, for all those people out there. For every human being on this planet that walked, he died for them. And the wondrous part about coming to Jesus in a personal relationship is at that moment, at that very moment, you receive him as your Lord and Savior. New life starts then and lasts forever, for all eternity. 
not life just on earth, but after, with the Father. Redeemed back to the Father through his Son. That's the beauty of the goodness of today. Understanding what he went through, the wounds that he endured for us. Sorry. For us. And not just us. For everybody outside of these doors. Every single person, he died on the cross and endured the wounds for them too. Every person you engage with, every friend, every coworker. For all of them. First John 4:10 is one of my favorite verses. In this is love, not that he, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We separated ourselves from God. He didn't stop loving us. We chose ourselves over him, but he didn't stop loving us. He kept loving us. He went to send us his son if he didn't love us. That's the goodness about today. Knowing that we're loved. Knowing that we're cared for. That we're wanted. That we're desired. And that same love that other people don't experience, it's for them too. For those in your life you know are hurting or wounded or experiencing struggles in their life and they don't know Jesus, that love, that void that they need to fill with Jesus, that's what they need. That's what we all need every single day. And it's a time to praise God. Yeah, it's Good Friday. And Christ endured a lot for us. But I'm thankful for it. Because I didn't have what it took. I needed him to step into the gap for me. Same as we all do. So what I want to do right now I want to invite Amy back up, and I want to invite the elders up, and I want everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want to invite, I want to invite you to let the Holy Spirit lead you in this moment. To search your heart and ask the question, is Jesus my Lord and Savior? Have I given my life over to Christ? Is he my redeemer? If that answer is not yes, let today be the day. Let us celebrate a victory in the kingdom of God. Let us praise God for another one redeemed back to him. You are God's creation. He created you just the way you are.
And he wants you. So if there's anybody who doesn't know him, come forward. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you and pray alongside of you as you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. As you enter into a personal relationship. As your life is made new in that moment and then forever. Come. Don't let the lies take over. We want to celebrate new life in Christ. We want to praise God for the work that he's doing in your heart.